0: Friction creates heat, and so does the Medicare for the Lazy Man podcast. The Medicare podcast that was great for electricity. Sick of hardwood floors, he wants wall-to-wall carpeting. It's Medicare expert Doug Jones. Well, hello again, ladies and gentlemen. What a great pleasure to see you joining us for another episode of the Medicare for the Lazy Men podcast. I am here with you today because I think that some of you may want to learn more about Medicare. And if that's the case, you've come to the right place. We are uh, duty-bound to help people feel more confident in their Medicare interaction And when it's coming up uh, fairly soon, what I try to get people to do is to purchase my book. It's available at barnesandnoble.com. It's available at uh, uh, the um, other joint. What is that other joint? Why am I forgetting things? Randy, that starts with an A, and it's uh, full of amazon.com. Randy's not even using the microphone. He's yelling, and I can hear it anyway. Uh, Yep. He's, now he's making hand motions. Uh, I'll introduce Randy in a few minutes. You're really not supposed to know that he's here yet, but amazon.com is the place that I recommend most people go get because it's got four different iterations that you can uh, pick from. You can get the um, audible version wherein I read all the um, multisyllabic words and I turn the pages and I announce the chapter headings and you really don't have to do much work at all. Uh, We've got the Kindle version. If you're uh, impatient, you may purchase the Kindle version and have it delivered to your reading device instantly. Of course, the paperback version is available at Amazon for $8. It's available for $9 at barnesandnoble.com and it has colorful illustrations. So that may be worth the extra dollar to you. I would say don't shirk... Or don't uh, don't uh, ignore Amazon.com or excuse me BarnesandNoble.com if you would like to uh, have a colorful uh, illustration or several of them in your book. But the paperback is the one that ninety percent of the people purchase. And then finally, we've got that magnificent hardcover, twenty-two dollar edition from amazon.com that's almost like a museum piece it's just magnificent and it's well worth the 22 dollars. in fact you might want to grab it now because next year's edition the 2024 edition medicare for the lazy man 2024 is going to go up in price because amazon has increased their fees for publishing books right now every book i sell i lose a little money but i don't mind i'm willing to do that so that the listeners and the readers can get the information they seek about Medicare. And it's it's basic, no-nonsense information about how to enroll in Medicare, how to select the coverage that you get to supplement Medicare, and what to do if you did all that stuff years ago, but you're regretting your decisions. How might they be repaired? Well, I'm here for all of that stuff and any questions you might uh, uh, come up with. All you have to do is uh, find my email address, several locations in the book, and send me a message, and I will do my best to make your Medicare experience as delightful as it possibly can be. If not delightful, at least painless. Anyway, so Randy Carson, he's out in his backyard. It's a magnificent, beautiful, sunny day in Arizona. It's also a magnificent, beautiful, sunny day where I am in Wayne, Illinois, but uh, it's not nearly as warm or as beautiful as so I'm looking, uh, you know, as a, the scenery around Randy. So what you up to today, Randy?
1: I am just just about six foot. Mm-hmm. Depends on whether I've got my high heels on or not.
0: I think you and I are about the same height, national <laughs> average. Nothing yeah, to be embarrassed yeah, yeah. about. My father was about 6'3". My grandfather, well, my mother's father was about 6'3", or thereabouts. I don't know, you know, where every other male ancestor in my lineage has been much taller than I am. So I don't know why uh, mother nature chose me to return back to the national average but
1: <laughs> what so 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 when you were being fixed up uh-huh. you know there was a, there was a bunch of people discussing this in heaven and they go you know, sure. we've given the we've given the Joneses an extra break along the years, you know, being extra tall. We're going to have we're going to have to break even this time. So here's well, Doug. That's,
0: that's what happens. <laughs> the genetic pool always returns to the mean or to the average. And that's that did it just when I was being born. They decided to do that and it's, had to um,
1: catch up. Yep, yep, yep. Yeah. So I've got, Although, <laughs> I have been looking forward to this thing all day. So I didn't mean to interrupt your thought there, but I am anxious to play A game with you today. Oh, no
0: kidding. All right. Well, let's do that then. That sounds a lot like a lot more fun than what I had in mind when it was discussing Medicare.
1: Well, we'll get we'll get there, but I'm I'm just saying that we have not played at least this version of Stump the Insurance Expert
0: for quite a while. Well, before we do that, I just want to say hi to Kirk and Marlene. They're friends of mine. Kirk from high school. Marlene I met years later. Uh, they, it turns out, listen to the podcast episodes as they're falling asleep. So uh hi, Is that guys. what
1: causes it? Is that what causes them to fall asleep? <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah. What is the other name for African sleeping sickness? It's
1: uh, um, certainly. Uh, oh, geez. What is uh... Yeah, that. Yep, whatever there that you was.
0: Go. Yep, exactly. Well, that's what they're uh, apparently we're curing that. Oh no, no. African sleeping sickness means they fall asleep. Well, that's not right. So um we are putting them to sleep. We are um soothing and and sleep okay, inducing.
1: Okay. I'm I'm really glad to know that. All right. So let's get back we, to that we are that we are soothing people to
0: sleep. <laughs> yeah, it's almost like medicinal. We're we're yeah. uh, like a, a spoonful of cough syrup or something. We'll put yeah, you right yeah, to yeah.
1: sleep. So anyway, I've got, so we're going to play, you know, an episode of Stump the Insurance Expert. I'm ready. And I found a list, uh, and I'm going to say it's true because I found it on the internet.
0: Okay, it because must be every, true then.
1: Everything on the internet's true. So there's, there's a list of the stupidest laws in each state.
0: Boy, that's going to carry us through, what, 51 episodes if you count D.C.?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm gonna use two of them today. I'm gonna oh, to okay. ask you what the what the stupidest law in Illinois is. Oh Jesus on, that's, on the books. Anything, anything passed while Pugsley was governor. Oh well I don't know when it was passed, but oh and all then, right. I'm, then I'm also gonna follow that up with what is the stupidest law in Arizona on the books.
0: Ooh boy, that's those are gonna to be tough. I'm not a legal expert. I don't even play one on television, so it's going to be tough, but go ahead. I, I, have right. you asked the question or do you intend to rephrase I, I the you question? To,
1: I want you to guess what the stupidest law in Illinois is.
0: All right. I'm going to say that it probably has something to do with potatoes. Now, why would I say that? Because um, food service in Illinois is uh, going downhill ever since COVID arrived. And uh, the Pugsley and his henchmen tried to shut the state down. And uh, I've noticed that the restaurant industry in Illinois has not recovered. One of my favorite restaurants is a place called St. Charles place. And they used to have the most magnificent twice baked potatoes that I've ever seen, except for those made by the content curator of this very podcast. And when uh, COVID came along, they used that as an excuse to uh, drop a lot of their signature dishes and jack the prices up, of course. And um, we were back there last summer and it was not the same. It was, it was good, but it wasn't the same as it had been before. And the twice-baked potatoes they served were inferior at best. So that's my guess, is that the law has something to do with the service of potatoes to unsuspecting diners
1: uh well you're not as far off as you might think but uh no I'm not gonna give you that one it, it was okay. too, it was too far off but already no. so any, so anyway did you know in Illinois if you are 18 years old and enrolled in an official culinary school uh-huh you can drink wine all day no kidding wow yeah that's
0: Part of the cooking uh, learning process, I guess, huh? Yeah, until S- they get some
1: drunk, they can't read anymore,
0: <laughs> or drive, or cook well, for anybody. I that
1: too. No, I really, really, officer, I just got out out of culinary school. Maybe I that's I'm coming what,
0: home. Maybe that's what happened to the chefs at St. Charles Place. They graduated, <laughs> but never really sobered up, and they just aren't capable of making the uh, traditional twice baked potatoes. Okay, well, here's the that's last very, one. That's very interesting, but it doesn't bode well for the health of those chefs, because no, I think wine, no, wine's does. pretty hard on your liver, isn't it?
1: Most, well, okay, this is just my take on the world, but from what I understand, there's a lot of chefs in the world that are alcoholics.
0: Okay, because they're encouraged to uh, add a little spice to the meals, I suppose, to differentiate them from their their competitors. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Throw a little
1: alcohol in there, and it's got to be even tastier. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So here's here's the one about Arizona. And I, okay. I, I have a good feeling you might get this one.
0: All right. I'm going to say that the dumbest law in the state of Arizona would have to do with, uh, what do I think of? I think of sunshine. Maybe it's illegal to suntan uh, without clothing on, uh, to get, you know lay out by the pool nude.
1: That is not it. Okay, well, pardon my close. imagination for running. It was, wild. <laughs> it was, it was close. It was close, but it's not it. Well, tell me it what is it is. Illegal. It is illegal statewide in Arizona to let your donkey sleep in a bathtub. Okay, that is pretty close. I think you got to give me that one. That's. <laughs> I'll give you. Okay, I'll give you half credit on that. Half credit. All right. That's. I hope so, we're So if, When you're in a when you're in a bathtub, you're generally naked. Yeah. So, you know, I'll, I'll give you half credit. All right. And do not and it, you get back out here, Doug. Do not let your donkey sleep in your bathtub.
0: Well, a couple of problems there. Uh, problem number one is I've got to find a donkey.
1: <laughs> and Well, there's that problem.
0: And then once I have a donkey, I'll have to keep him away from the bathtub when it's nap yes. time. Yes. Oh, Absol- boy. Huh?
1: Absolutely.
0: Well, I can't wait. We've got another 25 more episodes where we can uh, make me look like a dope. And it's not that hard to do,
1: is it? Well, no, we we just used the two this time. Now we're going to go ones, these, and ones ones at a time. Okay,
0: All right. So we will have.
1: And some of these are hilarious. But they Uh, actually, according to the internet, they're on
0: the books. Well, you know something? That doesn't surprise me because um, state legislatures, local um, uh, lawmakers can be reactionary. And so I can picture the problem if some guy walks through town passing out religious literature and that irritates everybody else that uh, they get together and vote a law against passing out pamphlets of any kind while walking down the street. Uh, You know, some of these laws are not very well thought out and some are antiquated and left on the books because nobody Mm -hmm. has, I think some guy wrote a book recently. I listened to a lot of podcasts and I think I heard a guy interviewed about how one could take action to remove antiquated laws from the books. And he went through a few states that were, so I I don't think because it's on the internet, I don't think we should be suspicious about the veracity of that information. No. no. Okay. <laughs> well, I,
1: you know, as the nominal producer, here, yes. I think we ought to move on into the Medicare we, stuff. Let's so, get to work. I am going to mute myself out and get my suntan here.
0: Well, I've got a collection of stuff here that is, um, I think, worthy of being addressed during the the podcast episodes for those of us who are interested in Medicare. Uh, and I really, I should have kept Randy in because I'm going to ask him at some point to uh, choose his favorite article out of the stack that I have. But I've got a couple of short ones here. Uh, one is, let's see, one is a uh, a. Piece of bad news for people who have Medicare Advantage plans in San Diego, because in San Diego, they have the Scripps Coastal and Scripps Clinic medical groups. And I think those are a big deal. I've heard the uh, the, ner- the term Scripps for a long time. So I think these are well-established medical um, facilities that service a lot of people in San Diego. And so I saw a news blurb I actually got to see the thing, and I saw the president, uh, a guy named Van Gorder. Um, He's the president and CEO of Scripps Health, and his name is Chris Van Gorder. And he said open enrollment for Medicare begins, but more than 30,000 Scripps Health clients who have Medicare Advantage plans are now facing a difficult choice. Either get new doctors or get different coverage. That's the edict coming down from on high at Scripps Health. Um, there are two clinics that I mentioned, Coastal and Clinic Scripps Clinic Medical Groups. Uh, maybe there are more than two facilities. They're going to stop accepting Medicare Advantage plans, or stop accepting patients for treatment that have Medicare Advantage plans. Now, remember, we went through this with the um, uh, the Mayo Clinic in Jacksonville, Florida, and the one in Arizona. And I believe we found a couple of other major medical facilities, especially specializing in cancer and diseases like that, that have stopped accepting patients that have Medicare Advantage plans. So Scripps is next on the list, and they're in San Diego. He says it's important for people to understand that Medicare Advantage is not Medicare. And uh, he said Medicare Advantage plans were just Private insurance companies that manage health coverage for Medicare. There are nonprofit companies and there are for-profit companies in the business. He said the companies did a good job of selling people on plans that they say are, but have great benefits. And um, he says business is great for a lot of the companies offering Medicare Advantage plans. Uh, for instance, United Healthcare just announced a five point eight billion dollar. Third quarter profit. However, at Scripps and other providers who accept or have been accepting Medicare Advantage plan, the dollars are flowing in the opposite direction. And uh, Van Gorder, who is at Scripps, said they are losing more than seventy-five million dollars a year due to the um, adverse effects of Medicare Advantage plans. And they said that's just not sustainable. Now then, they have the typical congressional Democrats jumping on this and. I have to always say that I don't agree with the congressional Democrats about the reason that Medicare Advantage plans are bad. They're bad for the people that they insure in some cases. They're bad for the economy in many cases. But the Democrats that oppose Medicare Advantage plans are opposed because they're private industry and they think Medicare should only be Government run. Well, I disagree with that because I sell people Medicare supplement plans, which are very, very good for the people who purchase them. And uh, they are not government run. They're offered by private insurance companies. So I disagree with some of the enemies of Medicare Advantage plans, but I join heartily with them in their opposition. So um, the chairman of the board of Scripps has finally said, you need to call your insurance brokers or you need to call your insurance company to make any adjustments that you want to make. Other than that, he says, they're limited by federal law in how they can warn patients that they only have until December 7th to make other choices. But some of these people, 30,000 patients there, you know, there are a whole bunch of them insured by Medicare Advantage plans and they're going to be losing their doctors. So, oh, I wanted to talk, uh, about one thing with Randy I'll just describe this piece of knowledge I gained it would have come in handy many years ago for me because I had a lot more acreage than I do now and I had a big old Ford farm tractor and I would pull things out of the ground occasionally trees and fence posts among other things and somebody described a method by which one can pull something out of the ground in a much more mm, efficient fashion. And that would be if you take a chain or a, a rope and tie it to the thing that you're uh, going to pull out of the ground, but then take a wheel and put that wheel against the post or the tree that you're pulling out or the stump, then when you pull your power takeoff, when you engage the uh, tension or or put the tractor in gear and pull away, your rope or chain is actually pulling vertically because of that wheel, rather than pulling uh, almost horizontally, and it's going to make um, a big difference in how quickly and how easily the thing you're pulling out of the ground comes up, and I'm thinking about fence posts here. I used to pull old fence posts out of the ground, and it was not that easy if they were lodged in the ground but had i known to use a wheel like an old rim or something that guides the the pulling apparatus the rope or the chain into a vertical position makes it a lot more easier to pull it out of the ground without making a big mess and without using too much horsepower okay so um we have a little uh, dialogue with uh, one of our regular correspondents Steve. And he taught me something that I didn't know. And while I'm learning things about pulling stumps out of the ground, I thought I could throw in Steve's piece of knowledge here. He has mentioned more than once about picking drug plans and then having problems with them because the drug plans often have limits, internal limits. Now, I've never paid attention to this before because I never really thought it was that big a problem. Steve and only a couple of other people have ever mentioned this to me. And I said to Steve, I really don't understand it. So if you think this is an important problem, you're going to have to explain it to me more thoroughly so that I can understand why having internal limits in your prescription drug plan is problematic. And he said, let's see, uh, what did he say? He said that... um, I said, I always appreciate your input, Steve, but I need to understand this situation better. I've never run into quantity limits as being a problem before. If I'm prescribed a certain daily dosage and I take that dose every day, does that qualify as a quantity limit? What makes a quantity limit a problem for somebody? So then Steve said, I looked at the enrollment for Cigna, which is one of the companies that has drug plans. They want me to fill out a form and fax or send it u.s mail to them the fax is an archaic form of communication haven't they heard of doing things online and uh he said if you want a more detailed explanation of quantity limits let me know well okay steve kind of got sidetracked there with uh, bra- uh, bitching about faxes we we're forced to use them all the time i said hi my case in particular oops i said um fax I thought it was going to die a painful death, but it still lives. Lawyers demand it. Insurance companies demand that I use it to send in applications, all because it is just like a text or a phone call, very tough to hack and almost impossible to steal printed data. Facts is the choice of the legal and security experts everywhere. And then Steve says, okay, let me explain quantity limits to you. In my case, um, an expensive generic drug, I'm prescribed three a day. The quantity limit said they would only cover one per day, and that's 90 pills for 90 days. If this prescription was submitted, I don't know if they wouldn't fill it or if they would only cover 90 and make me pay out of pocket for the rest of the drugs or not fill it at all. I was really inter- If I was really interested, I would give them a call. So he's bringing up an interesting thing about drug plans that I don't really know about, but he's not that concerned for his personal situation. So anyway, uh, that was the thing about internal limits on drugs, uh, quantity limits. That appears to be a problem that is uh, not bothering me, but uh, apparently bothers Steve and some other people. So if you're being bothered by internal quantity limits on some drugs, then let me know. And maybe I can address it more fully in an upcoming episode. Um, COVID-19 or RSV or flu or a cold. So that's really three things, even though it sounds like five or six things. How to figure out what your symptoms mean this fall and winter as autumn leaves, cooler weather and pumpkin spice echo amid the fall hustle and bustle. I don't know what pumpkin spice is and I don't know why pumpkin spice would echo anywhere, but you might notice that you've become victim to that all-too-familiar tickle in your throat. So there are lists of symptoms for these three types of illnesses. COVID-19, RSV, I don't even know what that is, and then flu. So if you have these symptoms, and they're going to sound pretty familiar from one to the other, if you have fever or chills, cough, Shortness of breath or difficulty breathing, new loss of taste or smell. There's a hint for you right there. Sore throat, congestion or runny nose, muscle or body aches, headache, fatigue, nausea or vomiting, and diarrhea. Then that is supposed to be COVID 19. If you do an assessment of your own symptoms, then you're going to come up with COVID 19. And um, theoretically, if you've got all those symptoms. If you have RSV, and once again, I don't even know what that is, the symptoms are runny nose, coughing, fever, appetite decrease, and dehydration. Seems very similar to COVID-19. And the flu, fever or chills, cough, sore throat, runny or stuffy nose, muscle or body aches, headaches, fatigue, and vomiting and diarrhea. I think these three things are pretty much alike, and I'm not sure that I would know the difference or care if I was stricken by them. So it's, uh, it's, it was an interesting little thing. Compare the symptoms to determine what disease you particular have. But it wasn't really um, that helpful because all those symptoms are alike. Let's see here. Uh, I, have a, uh, I have a new client. This new client is a 92-year-old woman who was in, she is in North Carolina. I got a call, well, actually two years ago, I was contacted by a gentleman who said, I'm still working, I'm still covered by my health insurance plan at work, and my wife is my dependent. Do I need to do anything about Medicare? And I said, no, sir, you don't need to do anything about Medicare just continue working. But when you decide not to continue working anymore, that's when you need to do something about Medicare. So two years later, he calls me and says, you helped me two years ago. Now I've got a problem with my mother. She's being taken to the cleaners by her Medicare supplement plan. And I want to know if there's anything we can do about it. So I said, how healthy is she? And he said, she's very healthy for being 92. And, um, I said, tell me a little bit about the situation. And he said, well, her her Medicare supplement plan that she's had for years and years is charging her uh, over $320 a month. And we just got a notification the price is going to go up again uh, January 1st. And I said, well, I can probably do better than that. And uh, if she can answer a few health questions that uh, are not really all that invasive, then uh, she'll have many options to choose from. So I found the cheapest plan available for this lady in North Carolina was from my favorite company, United American. And if she were to accept the high deductible plan G, her premium every month would be $55 as opposed to over $320. And I worked out the details to illustrate, and this gentleman not only got on the phone again... But he had all of his siblings with him. And then every time we exchanged emails, uh, the siblings were all copied in. So his whole uh, family knew what was going on with what I suggested for the mother. But if her rate wasn't going up in her uh, current Medicare supplement plan G that was costing her $320 because she's 92 years old, if that rate was going to stay the same, then her her, uh, premium would total about $4,063 a year. And if she were to go to my suggested plan, high deductible plan G, then her premium would be $55 a year. And if she were to do that, her savings every year, assuming nothing changed, her savings would be in the neighborhood of $3,400 per year. Now that $3,400 is uh, much more Than what the enemies of the high deductible plans would tell you, because they say, why would you make a woman take a a high deductible plan G that has a deductible of $2,700 before it pays anything? And obviously $2,700 is less than the savings of $3,400. But what if she had a really bad year with a lot of high medical expenses? In that case, she would be subject to that $2,700 plus she's going to be paying a year's worth of premiums for high deductible plan G or yeah, high deductible plan G and that total costs would be $3,360. But if she had these high medical expenses and she had her plan G that she's always had, she would have to pay the $4,063 in premium plus $226 for the part B annual deductible. So she would have to pay $4,289 as opposed to the high deductible plan G with the big deductible included of $3,300. She's going to still save $929 a year, even if she has huge medical expenses. Now, what happens in reality is that she writes checks every month for $55 for that very low premium, and if she has some medical expenses, she has to pay 20% of whatever charges there are out of her pocket, or in this case, out of her savings. Because remember, her premium was $321, now it's going to be $55. Every month, she's saving, what, $250 roughly, $260 or $70. So if she has to write a couple of checks for 20 bucks or so, she's still money ahead every month. And if the worst case scenario happens, if she has major medical expenses, she's still going to save $929 because high deductible plan G acts exactly like regular plan G when the deductible is met. So there is no way that this woman is better off with regular plan G. And I know that somebody talked to a uh, uh, an insurance broker not too long ago, and that broker said, I never sell the high deductible plans. Well, that broker is wrong. He's not doing a service to his clientele. I just uh, wanted to let you know this woman is my new client. Her deductible is $2,700 in this year, but her premium is so small that she doesn't mind writing a few small checks here and there to make up 20% of an office visit or a test or something like that. So just wanted to let you know that high deductible plan G can work very, very well for some people who are on hugely expensive Medicare supplement plans. And Randy, I'm going to turn everything over to you again, because I've just uh, burned up more than my 75 cents worth of time.
1: The 75 cent bell in our world is the crickets. Yeah, 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 and they are just—they're waving. They're standing on my desk, waving at me. Uh, they must—they must be very uh,
0: upset that I took up all of their time and that they have well, to do plus, that. Plus,
1: this is a long. This is long distance. This—they get overtime <laughs> for oh, working boy. long distance. You know.
0: I gee, I hope we don't have to sell one of our Medicare for the Lazy Man uh, penthouses or jet oh, planes. Oh no, or, <laughs> no <laughs> that's I've never going to happen.
1: I've got those well under control.
0: <laughs> well, thank God for you. <laughs> Some someday as the majority stockholder, I'd like to see a dividend. Someday I think. Oh, I'm gonna it, be asking where the dividend is. We're just are.
1: about there. We're just <laughs> about there.
0: <laughs> oh, good. That's I noticed Margaret the other day had a beautiful suntan. I don't know how she got that, but maybe it was
1: the weather in Arizona, huh? it, it I'm I'm gonna say it was the weather in Arizona, but okay. anyway. We have, as Doug mentioned, used up our 75 cents worth of airtime. But before I let you all go, I have got a few things I always like to touch on. One is, is get out your pencil or your pen or your crayon or whatever you got handy and write down this email address, dbj at mlmmailbag.com dbj at mlmmailbag.com. That's how you can reach out to Doug and he loves communicating with you. Number two on the list is Doug is a nationwide licensed agent to assist you with your Medicare supplement planning. Check us out on medicareforthelazyman.com. We would also appreciate it if you could find a way or a place to give us some reviews on the podcast and the books. And obviously it's a numbers game for us so that would be cool if you could do that we'd appreciate it and last but not least is thank you for joining us you could have been a hundred different places doing a number at least 99 different things but no you decided to spend some quality time with medicare for the lazy man podcast and if i haven't told you lately we have just spent if you're not tracking on your watch 32 and a half minutes with doug jones the anti-insurance insurance insurance guy originally from Oklahoma. No more. He lives most of the time up in the high ground behind Cave Creek, Arizona. And now he's out in the middle of the forests of Illinois. And we are going to put him in at zero feet altitude.
0: (laughs) Thank you. I've never been so oxygenated. (laughs) Thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for joining us. We are so happy when you come back and uh, see us. We will be so happy when you come back and join us again in our next episode. Looking forward to that. Bye-bye.